Hello, my name is Dwayne Spearman. Welcome to Directional Bible Ministries, a teaching ministry that's called to rightly divide the Word of God for the people of God. And today we are going to look at session 11 in our study through the book of Ephesians. Last time we were together, we were in session 10. And I believe we looked at verses 10 through 15, if I am correct. Let me just make sure of that real quick. Uh, this is the the YouTube channel there. There it is, session 10, 10 through 15, chapter number 2 was the last thing that we looked at. So just a little bit of review. <clears throat> Verse number 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And we talked about how that the body of Christ is in view here. We were created in Christ unto good works. In other words, Christ does those good works through us. His point is that as the body of Christ that is saved by grace through faith, we are his workmanship. Um, he made us. We are the new creature as such. We were created in Christ the moment we trusted the gospel and became part of the new man. Um, then in verse uh, 11, wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, referring to us, who are called uncircumcision, that's how the Jews referred to the Gentiles, by that which is called the circumcision, the Jews themselves, in the flesh made by hand, speaking of their physical circumcision, uh, that at that time ye were without Christ, referring to the uncircumcised, the Gentiles, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and from the strangers, from the covenants of promises, we had no hope. We were without God in this world. And um, verse number 13, But now, in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes far off, being Gentiles, are now made nigh. How? By the blood of Christ. So our status has changed from being far to being nigh because of Christ's work on the cross and the blood that he shed to that end. And again, that's the gospel reconciliation that we are called to preach as ambassadors for Christ. Because um, understand, and we talked about this, how that in time past for a Gentile to be saved, they had to recognize that they were outside of the nation and could only be brought in by proselytization via circumcision and keeping the law of, the Moses, law of Moses. But now... Both Jew and Gentile come to God the same way, through faith alone, apart from the works of the law. For he is our peace, who hath made both one now, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition that was between us. And we talked a little bit about that wall. Um, you know, we know that there was a physical wall that separated the court of the Gentiles, um, that a Gentile couldn't cross. If he did, it was by the, had by the penalty of death. But he goes on here and establishes that he's not talking about a physical wall, but a spiritual wall. In verse 15, having abolished in his flesh the enmity. So what was the enmity? The law of the commandments contained in the ordinances. So verse 14 for he is our peace, he's, he's made both one, he has broken down the middle wall of partition that was between us, and he abolished in his flesh that enmity. What was it? The law of the commandments contained in the ordinances. 
uh, and we talked about uh, that the law placed a separation between the Jew and the Gentile. It actually served to alienate the nation from the rest of the world. They were set-apart people who saw themselves as the favorites of God and they in that they held the oracles of God. You know, Romans 3, 2, he talks about that. Much in every way, what advantage hath the Jew? Or what profit is there in circumcision? Much in every way, chiefly, firstly, because unto them were committed the oracles of God. Well, those separated the Jew from the Gentiles. The law of commandments here mentioned is not a reference to the moral law, but the ceremonial law, such as the sacrifices, the festivals, the feasts, the separation between them and the Gentiles. It's a difference between what's called positive and negative commandments. Positive commandments are, you do this, you do this, you do that. Negative commandments are, thou shalt not. Okay, It was the positive commandments, which would be called the ceremonial law that set Israel apart and caused occasion for the animosity between them and the Gentiles. Okay, And we talked about that. And then he goes on, why? For to make in himself one man, one new man. This speaks of the two, now that the enmity has been removed, becoming one in the body of Christ, therefore making what? Peace between them. In verse 16, and that he might reconcile unto both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. Now both Jew and Gentile make up one body called the body of Christ. This is the result of us both being reconciled to God, how? By Christ through the cross, his sacrificial death. So the enmity having been slain, it's, it's, it's no longer, there's no middle wall of partition, there's no division now between Jew and Gentile, either spiritually or physically. In verse 17, and, and came and preached peace to you, Who's you, the Gentiles, who were once afar off, and to them that were nigh, okay, Uh, referring to the Jews, for through him we both now, Jew and Gentile, have access by one spirit unto the Father. So Jesus came to preach the message of peace to those who were afar off Gentile and to them that were nigh Jew. Now they both have access to the Father, unlike before when only the Jews had access. And again, he just explained all that. That middle wall petition has been removed. Now, therefore, ye, Gentiles, are no more strangers and foreigners, but now you become fellow citizens with the saints in the household of God. So he's building off of what he said in verses 11 through 12. Um, in verses 11 through 12, wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles, who are called uncircumcision by those that are called circumcision that was made by hands. You were aliens from the commonwealth. You were strangers from the covenants. You had no hope. You were without God. But now you're fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. In other words, now that the enmity has been removed and the Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners, they are now fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Now, contextually, this is clearly saying that Jew and Gentile have been made one in the body of Christ 
Why would he say that? Why would he say that we have now been made one if it was not true before he said it? <laughs> uh, again, I'm taking a shot at covenant theology here, um, and I'll, I'll mention this when I get down in my study. Um, uh, Legionnaire, Legionnaire, Legionnaire Ministries, you know, has this whole thing about we don't believe in replacement theology. We've always been uh, God's people. You know, that they just lump it all together. Well, I mean, according to this, they were separate. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 15, 21, to the Canaanite woman, then Jesus went thence and departed to the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. She was Gentile. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away. She's crying after us. But he answered and said, Am I not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel? Sounds like a distinction to me. Does it sound like a distinction to you? <laughs> then he came. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. And he said, Is it not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs? Sounds like a distinction to me. And, he, and she said, Lord, yet... The truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee even as thou will. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Sounds like a distinction to me. <laughs> and that's what Paul is saying. That's what he's talking about. He's made two one. Also, it's not saying that the church has now been made part of Israel. It's not saying that either. Nope, never. The church will never become a part of Israel, let alone become Israel. And incidentally, a lot of people like to go to Romans 11. Well, what about us being grafted in? It's not talking about the body of Christ in Romans chapter number 11. It's talking about Gentiledom. How that now, because the branches have been set aside, the Gentiles now have a, a, an opportunity to, to partake in the blessings of the root, to partake in the blessings of the nation of Israel. It's not saying that we've, we've become Israel. That's not what that text is saying at all. Look at verse 20. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the buildings now fitly framed together and groweth to a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also builded together for a habitation of God. How? Through the Spirit. Now, the question is, what does this verse, these verses mean? It's a lot. And ye are built upon the foundation of the prophets. And ye are built. Okay, well, let's look at the turn here. And came and preached peace to you who were far off, Gentiles, to them and to them that were nigh, Jew. And now we all have the same access now, therefore, you, ye, Gentiles, you're no more strangers, you're no more foreigners, but you're fellow citizens with the saints of the house of God and are built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye are also builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. So these verses can only mean one of two things. 
The church was built upon the foundation that was laid by the Old Testament prophets and the 12 apostles. Because those are the only prophets and apostles that are talked about. Or the church was built upon the foundation of some other group of prophets and apostles. Now, this is where it gets deep. Is he talking, is he saying that the church is built on the apostles, referring to the 12, and the prophets of the Old Testament, Jeremiah, Daniel, Ezekiel? Is that what he's saying there? Or is he talking about some other group of apostles and prophets? Ephesians chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. Let's look over there real quick, and I'm going to wrap up here. may not even get completely through this. It's, it's deep. I'm still graf- grappling with it. Uh, Ephesians 3, 4, and 5. Whereby when ye read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy prophets, apostles by the Spirit. Paul is making a pretty clear statement there that the apostles and the prophets, it wasn't revealed to them, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, but is now being revealed to his holy apostles and prophets. Well, what's he talking about there? Who were these apostles and prophets? It would seem that they are the ones that he's going to talk about in in Acts chapter 4. And verse 11, this is the stone which the builders said, is that it? Acts 4, it's not Acts 4, it's Ephesians 4. What am I doing there? Ephesians 4, let me correct that real quick. Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. Watch this, there you go. Behold the technology. And the link's not going back. Forget the technology. Um, Ephesians 4.11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. Now, is he talking about those Old Testament prophets that didn't know? Or is he talking about those apostles, the 12, that didn't know? that he referred to over in Ephesians 3, 4, and 5, whereby when you read, you may understand the knowledge of the mystery, my knowledge in the mystery, which in other ages was not made to the sons of man. So is he referring to Old Testament prophets here? I don't think he is. Um, If that's the case, then these were temporary apostles and prophets that Paul is talking about, who, according to the text, were appointed until we all come to the unity of the faith. Now, I am of the mind at the moment that these offices were discontinued after the completion of the Pauline epistles. But before I get to that, I mean, he's saying here that there are there were, if you want to call them grace apostles and grace prophets that were appointed during the dispensation of grace that had obviously received 
the grace message or the, the mystery from Paul. And they serve the same purpose, if you will, to the body of Christ that the Old Testament prophets and apostles did to the nation of Israel. You tracking me there? And if that's of the case, it says that they will only be around until we all come to the unity of the faith, until it all comes together. When did it all come together? Well, I guess you could argue that it won't until we're raptured out and we're in heaven, or you could say, no, it happened when the Pauline revelation was completed when he penned his last Pauline epistle. So in other words, these grace apostles and prophets were around to keep things in line until the completion of the Pauline epistles. Now, that being the case, these were also the ones that he was referring to in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, and God hath set some in the church, that's the body of Christ, apostles, secondarily prophets, and teachers. So who are these? They're the same ones that he referred to in Ephesians 4, 11. And if that being the case, at least now in my study, it's looking to me like these Grace apostles and prophets were put in place until the completion of the Pauline revelation, which is Romans through Philemon. And now, today, there is no need for these apostles and these prophets because we have the completed revelation. God bless you guys. Hope you have a great day. Remember, God loves you, wants the best for you. It's working all things out for our good.